Salam, everyone. Welcome to Umoja's latest series, Community Voice, uh, and I'm your host, Imran Ramsey. Community Voice talk show incorporates the true essence of Umoja, which means unity. With so many successful and inspiring youth movements and leaders around us, we'll be learning their stories, struggles, and ideas to reimagine our own daily lives and goals. And remember, you can always ask questions through the Inspire platform, uh, which is available on the Umoja app before or after the show. Today, we'll be speaking with Sister Harim Jaffrey from Faraj Mental Health. This organization, established in January 2021, aims to increase mental health dialogue, literacy, and awareness surrounding important taboo and nuanced mental health issues within the Muslim community. Um, and Farage's core value is empathy. Uh, if you're interested in volunteering with Farage Mental Health, you can reach out at faragementalhealth at gmail.com. And if you want to learn more about their programs, uh, you can check them out on Instagram at Farage Mental Health, and that is in the ticker, so it'll be there the whole show. Um, so let's bring on Sister Harim. Salam alaikum, Sister Harim. Thank you so much for joining us today. Oh, no, thank um, you for having me. Honestly, when you um, reached out to me, I was very honored to be here, so thank you. Of course. Yeah, it's our pleasure. Um, so if you could just, I guess, start off by introducing us to uh, Farage Mental Health. Um, perhaps if you could introduce yourself uh, and why did you start it? Yeah, sure. So, um, well, you already mentioned my name is Harim. And uh -huh. um, a little background to how Farage started. Um, well, I went to um, the University of Toronto um, and I noticed a huge lack of eating disorder awareness on campus and eating disorder awareness is okay. something I'm very passionate about. And so I had started an org uh, club, basically, that was called the UTSC mm -hmm. Eating Disorders um, uh, Awareness Club. And, um, you know, I did that for a while, but something deep down inside me, I knew that I wanted to cater to the Muslim community specifically. Um, I noticed a lot of gaps within our community regarding addressing mental health topics um, when considering mental health on a continuum. So whether that's clinical um, mental health um, topics or whether that's just mental health top related topics in general. And so I proposed this conference idea to the then president of the South Lane Muslim Association at UTSC. Mm -hmm. And um, he really liked the idea and he approved of it. So we went ahead with it. Um, and that's kind of how this whole thing started. So there began the journey of, you know, having annual um, mental health conferences with Molanas and Shilks and also um, having, you know, uh, mental health Speaker. So whether that's a psychotherapist, whether that's a social worker, um, we had those individuals. We also had a clinical psychologist. So that's how that began. I did that for four years um, through that TMA. Um, and then, um, alhamdulillah, I graduated and then I began Farage Mental Health so that it could reach a wider audience. You know, it wasn't just limited to um, TMAs or other youth groups that were collaborating with us at right. that time, but also just the greater community mm -hmm. in general. So uh, mosques and other organizations so that there can be a wider outreach. And um, subhanAllah, like with the COVID-19 pandemic, we had to switch everything online. And we saw that we were now beginning to reach out to people that were not just in Ontario, but 
other parts of Canada and also the US and Australia and the UK. So um, really that's how um, it kind of, that's the backstory of how it started. And Alhamdulillah, we started in January, January of 2021 and we look forward to continuing. Inshallah, yeah. Um, if maybe if we could take a step back, I want to ask, of course, about your specific programs. But what do you think is so important about putting mental health in a Muslim context and also uh, more specifically a, a Shia context? Right. So, um, well, I'll start with the Shia component first. Uh, something that is, um, you know, very common within the Shia community is that um, Shia individuals um, don't have, you know, mental health related topics pertaining to their particular faith and beliefs. And so, um, for example, you know, Muharram and uh, comm commemorating the sacrifices of the different personalities of Karbala and commemorating, you know, the Shahadats and, and Wafats of um, the Ahlul Bayt, like those are things that are actually very important to our faith and very important to um, the Shia community. And it's really important to have these um, understandings when you're trying to provide care for, for a community or when you're trying to provide resources for a community. So, um, you know, the other day I was actually reading a research article that um, in order to do culturally competent care. So we don't provide psychotherapy, but I just thought that this is a really good um, kind of mirror in terms of even community care um, that uh, in order to have culturally competent care, um, practitioners are encouraged to, you know, look at people's spirituality and religious um, factors because those are things that are a part of mental health. And so that Shia component is really important too, because if, especially if we're, we're catering to the Muslim community, you know, we want to be as inclusive as possible. And of course, bring those, um, bring those topics that haven't been discussed before, validate people's experiences. Um, because a lot of the time, you know, those experiences are not validated. Also address some of the um, other concerns that are surrounding those um, those specific nights, those specific beliefs. Um, so late, recently we just did a post and we talked about how, um, you know, your connection to the Holy Nights in Muharram might be disrupted and why that might be disrupted, how that might make you feel. So these are really important things to um, discuss and understand. Um, and then I, I believe your first question was asking in terms of the Muslim community. Right. Um, well, a lot of the time, um, you know, a lot of Muslim individuals might feel this disconnect between their faith, which is extremely important, of course, to them, and a disconnect between some of the things that they might be taught or might be exposed to um, kind of outside of their faith. Um, so like mental health is important, um, you know, what you need to do to have good mental health, like so a lot of this stuff is exposed to us in one way or another. Um, so we what we really try to do and kind of how I formulated that conference even from that time when I brought it to the to the Muslim Association when I was at school to even now is that um, we have to kind of merge these two together because we want people to understand that, you know, you don't have to fight these two identities, that they are very much in sync and that you can, um, and that we 
we do aim to cater to the to that dual identity and that you can have a harmony between those two and that they do work together and so um that's a huge huge part of um kind of the lens that we take is making sure that we always take that faith-based approach um and a lot of people especially uh, people of color like and, and the research will show this is that often when they're undergoing mental health concerns for example the first thing that they'll do is go to their um you know religious organizations or or faith-based individuals um before going to you know specific mental health related um resources or services and so um we're really trying to bring a, a merging of that really I um, want to like touch a little bit more on when you talked about keeping those dual identities in mind. Um, I feel like that's a huge challenge. You have to be really intentional with how you design your programming to reflect that goal. So could you talk about, and this is perhaps a good segue into your specific programs, but how do you always keep that in mind in terms of how, how you actually deliver the programs? Yeah, I have to be really honest, it's quite difficult um, because, you know, for certain topics, they're extremely nuanced or extremely niche. And it's very hard to find, you know, a Muslim mental health practitioner who talks about that specific topic. So I'll give you an example. Um, this happened with our eating disorder, um, our very first event. Um, I knew that, you know, for our very first event, um, we wanted to have an eating disorder related event, but it's so niche that it's very hard to find specific Muslim um, practitioners who have an expertise on eating disorders um, and who have actually maybe perhaps done research with Muslim populations or have even, um, you know, worked clinically with Muslim populations. And so, um, you know, alhamdulillah, you know, by the grace of Allah, somehow we found um, Sister Amina and she's so great. And I'm so glad that we, um, you know, met and she was able to be a speaker on our at our conference. But even with her, like when I was first talking to her, she was like, yeah, you know, it's like really niche. Um, and it's really hard to like find um, people that are in that field. But Alhamdulillah, we had her. So you really, it's just a, a, a big kind of um, search for just basically Muslim practitioners or researchers who are able to talk about um, these specific topics um, related to the mental health. So I would say getting the mental health speaker for a specific event is the hardest part. Um, and then, you know, we have our respected sheikhs and Milanis within the community who are always so willing to talk about these topics, alhamdulillah. Um, you know, they really see the importance of it um, and they really, you know, try their best to engage in these kind of events and speak about them in the best way possible. Um, so then we also have like a, a Mulana or a Sheikh that comes on. So that's kind of how we try to merge those two when it comes to events. Um, when it comes to, um, oh, we, we'll also have um, lived experiences. I think it's extremely important for people to have exposure to um, individuals who might have lived experiences with different mental health concerns, um, or just even talking about mental health in general. I feel like when you're a part of a community, you know, um, subhanAllah, Liz created such a system 
system where we're not just individuals, but we're also a part of these communities. And we have so much um, to learn and so much to understand and so much to empathize from other people. And so when we see, um, you know, someone in front of us who is a part of that community, who looks like us, who has similar beliefs as us, who practices our faith, we're able to better connect to those experiences. And we're better able to not only empathize with others, but begin to begin to instill that self-compassion within ourselves. So I think that's also a really important component of that faith-based um, model that we try to embed into everything. Um, when it comes to our content and our posts, um, we try to, you know, include hadiths, um, Quranic ayahs, um, collaborations with specific Molanas and sheikhs in order to get the most accurate information when it comes to religious or Islamic topics. Um, you know, we, we listen to lectures to get, you know, quotes and topic ideas um, as appropriately as we possibly can. Um, and of course, we do a lot of research. So we, we read a lot of research papers, um, a lot of the stuff that we, a lot of the information that we take is from those research papers. So yeah, we did not, I, we did not go to, you know, four years of university for nothing. So <laughs> right. we definitely yeah. use those tools and skills and then we kind of mash everything together. So it mm -hmm. is a, it is a process. I find that collaboration really interesting between all, you know, all the different sources that you use, including, um, you know, respected uh, Molanas, like spiritual leaders, and then also uh, practitioners and also reading research papers. So can you talk a little bit more about th the point of that collaboration in that, like, how does that impact um, your audience and wh who your audience is? Because I feel like that that's right. a really important thing when you're like trying to build um, a community organization that aims to like increase dialogue. You have to have a receptive audience. Right. Um, well, the mm -hmm. first thing is, like I mentioned, that a lot of individuals when I mean, research shows this, it's not it's 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 shown that individuals when they have mental health concerns who are part of faith based communities. So, for example, the Muslim community, when they're part of faith based communities, they try to reach out to those religious organizations or their faith-based leaders first when they're dealing with those concerns before it kind of, you know, they reach out for those mental health services. So when you have a faith-based leader, right, who is talking about something that maybe you're going through, anxiety, depression, eating disorder, postpartum depression, whatever that might be, um, you're better able to have that connect between what is going on, your experience, and your faith. And I think that the most important part is that is that also research says that um, faith, positive spiritual coping can really help to alleviate a person's, um, you know, symptoms or experiences. So it can help them cope, it can help reduce um, symptoms of depression, etc. So when you have a faith based leader who is addressing these topics from from a Islamic lens, um, and then you have the um, mental health practitioner combined with that, it's able to um, help people see and understand and learn that you can, you know, combine both of these to help, you know, regulate, you know, whatever circumstances are going on, or help 
or help motivate them to, you know, even reach out to more supports to help them in their circumstances. Um, Other thing about faith-based leaders, just being able to see, you know, someone who is in that position of, you know, Islamic authority, being able to talk about these topics, it allows people to have a sense of comfort. Um, You know, there have been people that reached out to me personally, and also to Faraj who mentioned, you know, that they're very grateful that we had these kind of events where we had, you know, the sheikh talking about it, and we had the mental health practitioner talking about it, um, because it helped them, you know, not feel so alone in their circumstances. It helped them feel like, okay, my faith can actually help me get through this as well, and that it's not something that's actually, you know, deterring away from me being able to heal. I want to um, perhaps transition a little bit. Um, What are some of the biggest misconceptions you've run into when, like, throughout doing this work and and putting on events over, over, you know, this past year? Um, And and why do you think they exist in our community? Um, And what have you been doing to push back on them? So do you mean, like, misconceptions related to mental health? As in, right, yeah, like, misconceptions about mental health. Um, why you think perhaps that they're there um, and what you've been doing to push back on them? Um, that's a very good question. You're, put- <laughs> you're putting me in a tough spot. <laughs> um, well, you know, there's a lot of stigma related to mental health. So, you know, of course, with mm-hmm. stigma comes a lot of misconceptions. Um, I would say one of the, I would say one of the biggest misconceptions would probably be related to depression. So inshallah, we hope to have, um, you know, events related to depression, but just some of the posts that we've made. Um, a lot of the time, um, you know, depression is see- seen as a spiritual illness, something that, you know, you need to read Quran to wash away somehow, um, something that, you know, only be- gets cured by praying. And while, of course, reading Quran and praying are important parts of the faith, of course, you know, they're, they help to, like I said, they're part of those positive spiritual coping mechanisms. They're also a part of your spirituality. They're part of your faith. Um, But I think one of the biggest things that we do need to address is that, you know, actually depression is a mental health concern and that it needs to be addressed appropriately according to, um, you know, a court by going to use those specific services. So whether that's a mental health practitioner, uh, whether that's, you know, you are reaching out to a group that's hosted by a mental health practitioner. So there'll be groups um, as well that are regulated by mental health practitioners. I mean, there's a lot of different modalities. So I would say depression, you know, stigma and misconceptions related to depression is a huge thing we actually had a Q&A and someone was mentioning something like that that you know I feel um I can't exactly remember what they said but we had this conversation with them afterwards they said something about feeling like um you know there's they're not religious enough or they have some kind of spiritual issue because they're feeling symptoms of, of depression can't remember exactly what they said but I remember us um, saying that you know just like an individual might go to the hospital if they have a hurt leg or her arm or whatever it might be um, to get treated by a doctor 
um, to understand, you know, what is the ailment or what's the issue. Um, similarly, individuals, we really encourage that um, individuals seek out counseling or some kind of therapeutic support to get started, especially um, because those individuals are regulated professionals in their field. They're able to, you know, go through um, your thoughts, your emotions, and understand what is the issue and kind of work on a plan to help you, you know, get to where you want to be and need to be. I want to continue on that theme a little bit. I know it's a challenging theme because it's always hard to, I guess, you know, call out misconceptions in our own community. Um, but it's only to make it better. So like to make our community better. So the, my next question is, um, what do you think about the disconnect um, if you've seen this as you've been putting on events um, between the idea of keeping away ment mental illness or treating it once it's already emerged and promoting mental health in general. I feel like that's something that often is missed. Sorry, do you mind repeating that question? You cut off a little sure. bit. Okay, sure, yeah. So what do you think about the disconnect between keeping away mental illness or curing mental illness once it's already emerged and promoting mental health. I feel like that's, yeah. if you, I'm not sure if you've like seen that as you've done events, but I think that's something we were talking about too in the, in the pre-interview. Yes. Um, so I would say we don't use the term curing um, mental illness. Um, we don't necessarily use the term like keeping away mental illness either. Um, we more so go ahead and use terms such as like healing, for example. Um, because we really try to change the dialogue. So one of the most important things is also um, how we talk about mental health and mental health concerns is really important. So the terminology that we use is really important. Um, so I, that's the first thing that I would say. Second thing um, that I would say is that, well, mental health is on a continuum, right? So, you know, you might have clinical concerns, you might have subclinical concerns, and then you might have people that are just wanting to get mental health information just to, you know, keep up their mental health. That's another thing that we mentioned is that you don't have to have a mental health concerns to go to therapy. But um, yeah, so it's like we, we talked about in the pre-interview is that mental health is not the absence of mental illness. And that's a really, really important thing to consider um, and to understand is that I think a lot of people have this misconception um, that's another second misconception is that, you know, mental illness is on one end of the continuum, but all of these people have mental health. So regardless of whether you have a mental illness or not, everyone has mental health. So, and, and to have sustainable, healthy, good mental health is not the absence of mental illness. There's a lot of factors that contribute to sustainable, good healthy um, mental health. And, um, you know, I won't go into those factors because I'll be sitting here talking all day. Um, but yeah. Um, what do you get? What do you get personally out of um, doing this work? That's always a question we like to ask people who come on. You're really putting me on the, <laughs> on the spot. Um, what do I get out of this? Well, as in, I, I guess, what's your motivation? How, why is it fulfilling to you? Or why do you keep going? Because I'm sure it's challenging, you know, like, like running the organization. 
Yeah, I mean, it is a huge responsibility and there is always a lot going on. Um, but Alhamdulillah, like it's just something that I'm so grateful for and I'm so honored for honored to be a part of and be able to run. Um, and it's something honestly that I thank God for every single day that I, I get to, you know, be a part of this and have a team that is, you know, helping towards this cause. I think what really motivates me is um lived experiences and personal experiences just the people that I've connected with over my life whether they are close loved ones whether they're acquaintances whether they were just you know people that I happened to meet one time in my life and any time that you know I've spoken to them and we've we've talked about some of their mental health concerns what they've experienced in their lives their past their present um you know these conversations and these dialogues motivate me and because because it goes to show just how much is missing in our community and in the muslim mental health landscape and how much how many gaps we have to fill um and i really empathize you know with um individuals experiences so i would say you know people's lived experiences and what they go through um on a daily basis um and just in general like their their stories their lives their their mental health concerns their circumstances like these are all things that that motivate me and how about uh looking into the future what are some future events that farage mental health uh, wants to host and maybe more generally what's your future idea of the direction of Farage Mental Health? Yeah so we're really looking forward to continuing um, different topic events so you know not only just the broad events I would say um, but you know like common terms that we've heard maybe but also very nuanced niche topics we're really looking forward to hosting events related to those um, we really look forward to coming back in person. So what, that's one of the things that, you know, Fetter started in 2020. So we've never really been in person before. Um, although, of course, I've done events in person related to mental health, you know, back when I was on my university's Muslim Association, um, the Glane Muslim Association. But um, as Faraj, you know, we haven't actually been in person. Um, so that's one of the things that we're really looking forward to. I think it br brings a whole different vibe. I think it brings a whole different, you know, a feel to the events. And it's just nice for individuals to be able to connect face to face with the speakers and with other people. Like when we say community, we're a community based organization. So, you know, when you're actually in person, then you see that community around you. And that can be really empowering and really healing, honestly, um, just being able to see that. Um, around you. Um, and I would say one of the things that we're really excited is potentially, inshallah, um, having groups. So, um, you know, recurring weekly, weekly groups. So inshallah, we'll, we'll work towards it, but keep us in your du'as. Yeah, for sure, inshallah. Um, and uh, last question, we're unfortunately almost out of time. Um, but how can people reach out uh, to your organization, Farage Mental Health, um, and in what capacity are you looking for people to get involved if they're interested? Yeah, 
Yeah, so um, you can always reach out to us on our Instagram, like send us a direct message. It's at Footage Mental Health, but we'll probably direct you if you want to get um, involved, direct you to email us, which is uh, footagementalhealth at gmail.com. So those are the best ways to communicate with us. And um, we usually get back to you within a day or two. And um, uh, the capacity of the roles is currently we're looking for associates. So associates work under our leads, um, depending on whatever department it is, if it's for events, if, it, if it's for content, but especially content. So <laughs> if anyone, um, you know, is looking to be a part of footage and contributing to content creation, then we are looking for associates. So feel free to send us a DM or an email. And then if for people who uh, want to get more involved with your programs specifically, um, where would you direct them to, to look? And, and what are some things that maybe they can anticipate in the next few weeks coming up? Yeah, so uh, again, our Instagram, currently we primarily operate from it. We're working towards, you know, our website, but that's going to be a while. Um, so currently right now on Instagram uh, would be the best place for them to see um, and in terms of the next few weeks, um, we just have a lot of content creation coming out for Muharram. So we have a lot of posts coming out um, for that. So I would say stay tuned for that. Um, one of the series that we're doing is in collaboration with um, Amolana. So uh, we won't say who or what, but <laughs> keep um, keep uh, an eye for that. We'll keep that a surprise, I guess. Um, and then for events, uh, currently we don't have anything immediately pending right now, um, but we are working towards um, planning one for soon. Okay, so basically stay tuned. <laughs> follow your Instagram. Yes. <laughs> Check yeah. out our Instagram. Okay. Follow our Instagram. <laughs> Everything's there. <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay, that's amazing. Um, thank you so much again, Sister Harim, and Forage Mental Health for coming on uh, and sharing oh, your story you. and also, yeah. Thank you very much. Um, like it was a great session. I'm really honored to have been here, and I just want to thank you and the Emoja team, of course. And thank you as well. It's it's our honor, really. Um, okay, great. That wraps up um, this episode of Community Voice, where we heard from Farage Mental Health. Uh, and remember, if you want to get involved with Farage Mental Health's programs, you can um, follow their Instagram at Farage Mental Health. Um, and if you want to volunteer for them, you can reach out at farajmentalhealth at gmail.com. Um, and to hear a replay of this show, uh, you can visit the UMentor uh, website under prior talk shows, or you can subscribe to our Apple podcast, SoundCloud, or Spotify. Uh, and please join us next week, Saturday at 3 p.m. as usual, for the UMentor talk show. Umoja Reach Foundation, uniting and empowering the Shia community.